0: time to bury the tired narrative and uncover stories not typically heard but stories that need to be heard right or wrong life or death this isn't your typical law show this is Big Angry Law with Charles Big Angry Adams on KPRC 950 now Charles Adams. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, this is Big Anger Radio, this is 950 AM KPRC, Real Texas Real Talk, and of course, your host, Charles Adams. We have a lot of interesting things to talk about today. One of the not-so-interesting things, one of the things that has consumed my day for almost an hour and a half that is mind-numbing. But it reminded me of other issues that don't get a lot of attention. Many people either ignore or are willfully ignorant of the realities that existed for people before some aspects of Obamacare. The refusal to accept pre-existing conditions... Force people to constantly seek to maintain coverage at all times, thus, not to forever lose the ability to get coverage for lingering medical issues. And as healthcare costs in America spiraled out of control where they exist today, it left so many Americans either destitute, seeking care, or without access to care. Then Obamacare came in, and while it made some things better, it made many, many things horribly worse. And one of the things that it did was it required the extension of coverage, not just during the defined period to sign up for coverage, but if there was a medical emergency, which real medical problems typically are, it required giving people access to care and coverage for preexisting conditions. If you want to draw a comparison, it would be like allowing people to buy car insurance only after they got in a car wreck. More importantly, once the medical issue was resolved, people would stop paying. And again, to make a comparison is if people could demand coverage if they get in a wreck and then stop paying once that wreck is resolved with no consequence. It makes no sense. And what it required was this, uh, this extension of coverage. The Yes, uh, I can't even speak English tonight. This extension of coverage and then allowed the insurance providers, and big insurance is absolutely big evil, to pass that cost on to the responsible, those of us that just paid our premiums Every month or those of us that had it as an aspect of our employment, but uh, typically having to pay for the cost of the spouse or children or those small business people, we all bore that cost. Even further, there was a tremendous number of policies that would allow exclusions that were forbidden by Obamacare. Thus, you could get a policy in the past where pregnancies weren't covered because it wasn't your concern. You could get a cheaper policy that didn't cover drug treatment or mental health care. But the Obama administration and and the Democrats, when crafting this quote-unquote solution for the lack of coverage in America, made all of these things mandatory. Another one is surgery for gender transition, which became incredibly lucrative because a number of those surgeries are, are just plastic surgeries. But your policy has required, you're required to pay for the cost of that possibility. And it's a huge economic driver for the medical industry, huge profit and huge business. But there were other consequences. One of those consequences were the, the premium monthly premium cost That was pushed on to the consumers because big insurance wants not just to make their money. They want to make their massive profits. So they just place that cost onto us responsible people. And for many people like me, it resulted in a 300 to 400% increase in the cost of coverage. Which doesn't seem like much of a bargain or a solution for those of us that always made sure we had coverage just in case. It did keep in place other things like if you have a child who is a student, a full-time student, or I think it's even more expanded than that, you can keep them on your policy until their 26th birthday. That is coming up in May for my youngest child. Now, he is graduating, but I went ahead and signed him up for coverage at his law school with the hope that he can COBRA until his job begins in early September. Sorry, I did that a few weeks ago. Well, I had him do it. I obviously paid for it. And then, well, not obviously. There's a lot of people that don't pay for their kids' lives at this age. But he's a high achiever, and he's got a magnificent job lined up. And I am. My goal was always to put my children on a platform to have the kind of economic success that I didn't know early on. And to avoid the financial terror that I felt. Now, a lot of that was my fault. You know getting married, having children at a very young age before I was capable. Uh, And I just had to find a way, which I did, because I am pretty amazing. But anyway, so I signed him up for the coverage. And lo and behold, it's the same company. I didn't realize it, but it's the same company. So I decided, well, I need to just take him off my existing policy, which should save me a few hundred bucks a month. So I called them thinking, well, that's not going to be a big deal. And I call, and there's an automated system. And finally, I got a hold of someone in a foreign land who didn't seem to have any knowledge about insurance issues, even basic ones like, I need to remove my kid from coverage, but I want to confirm. I just wanted to confirm that he would be off the policy on his 26th birthday. And, of course, that person didn't know the answer. So I asked for someone in these Estados Unidos and they left me on hold forever, occasionally picking up just to see if I was still there. And then putting me back on hold without saying a word. Now, finally, eventually, I got transferred. That, I believe, was somewhere in Asia. And I got transferred to somebody, I believe, in Latin America who was not at all any more helpful. And then I got full care and asked for a supervisor. And all of a sudden, I'm just getting this message that I'm not eligible for a consumer survey click. When I get back, I want to talk about the wonderful Kafka experience I had trying to talk to someone in America and just how evil and horrible the insurance industry tends to be. We'll be back in just one moment. Sally Canway, Noel and Liam Gallagher, a couple of dysfunctional, petulant, rotten Brits who made some pretty good pop there in the 90s, Oasis. Now, when we went to break, I was whining, like I tend to do on the show, about my experiences with an insurance company today. Hour and a half, first phone call, ended up getting fake transfer dumped after being bounced around between what I imagine is the Philippines and Latin America with people that had no knowledge, no real knowledge of the English language, nor any knowledge about the intricacies or basic facts about my insurance coverage. Tried a third time, kept insisting. The uh, it was interesting, uh, the third person I talked to kept insisting I give my information again and finally conceded that she already had it and just asked me to confirm it. Of course they had it from the number I called on. And at this point, I am my blood pressure is raised and I am being unpleasant. And then I find out that I have a legacy plan. I've been with this company for a couple of decades since I opened my business. And, you know, that's the one nice thing about Obamacare is prior to Obamacare, insurance companies would just throw you off if you made some claims, health insurers, if you had a private policy. You had no right to it. And risk of policy is a little bit different, but anyhow. Of course Obamacare also responsible for me paying roughly I think four hundred percent of what I did when back way back well, not even way back when, just you know, a decade or so ago. It fixed some problems, but created more problems for the responsible, for the people that get up and especially the small business people. But the third person informs me that I need to talk to someone, and I end up talking to someone in the United States who was just completely helpful. Like, oh, yes, answer my questions, fix the issue, or address the issue, done. But this is the world that we live in now, that companies are charging Americans a premium while outsourcing all the interface, either to automated systems or to foreign countries, to save a few dollars And the people that bear the cost and the consequence are us, the U.S. consumer. We see this everywhere. We see this with this radicalized inflation that occurred in this COVID world where, in fact, people, uh, corporate America realized that this was a grand opportunity to gouge everyday Americans with absurd costs. And there was all this chicanery about why. You know, the supply chain, the cost of goods, the cost of war that all turned out to largely just be collusion amongst big business. Now, we've also seen this abandonment of public safety and policing victim crime that has led to this multi-billion I've seen some parsing, right? There were some reports it was in a $45 billion a year issue, and the far left came like well, it's, only in, it's only $36 billion. And it's 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 capitalism gone awry when businesses shut down because of rampant theft. But the real thing is you have the American consumer paying for that in one of two ways. The American consumer is paying for that in higher prices across the board, you know we have the collusive inflation and we actually have the inflation inflation to protect corporate profits or the pharmaceutical food and retail deserts being created by law enforcement not doing their job and we don't really have anyone concerned with it right the only true populist character on the american political landscape right now is donald trump and by that i mean Donald Trump at least gives lip service to the concerns of the frustrated working middle, especially the frustrated working cisgendered white middle. It doesn't seem that anyone else much cares. Republicans are responsible or beholden, not responsible, but beholden to the very, very wealthy, as are the Democrats. Democrats. And then most of them, then the rest of them somehow, you know, there's pandering to the crystal fascists by the Republicans and pandering to the far-left loons by the Democrats. But it's not sincere. And neither is Trump's populism. But again, at least he's giving lip service. But we live in this world where there are white Americans who fully embrace this notion that there is some sort of debt or obligation that they were born with, and not just debt or obligation, but defect that they were born with because of the color of their skin. And more importantly, the way it has been framed now is that if you push back on that, you are necessarily racist which shuts down any sort of debate, right? Anti-racism requires a embracing by white Americans. Well, let's just listen to this little clip. I know this is a bold statement that I'm about to make, and it might make us feel uncomfortable, but that is the intent of the work that we are going to do. So I want to prepare us for that. The first time I heard the sentence, it is not up to the oppressed to to change the system, it is up to the oppressor. I looked at that sentence as a white person and I identified my place in that statement. I just wanna let that sit there for one second. It's kind of a hard thing to say is recognizing myself as an oppressor in a sentence like that, but that's what we're here to do and the work that we're here to do together. Now, that is from a workshop, Indivisible REI Illinois, which is a working group of the Indivisible Illinois Community Collaborative that has opened all activists and organizers committed to centering race, equity, and inclusion into everything that we do. And if you'll listen, the, pre, the, the, the foundational principle is that all white people are oppressors. And right now, Democrats, a whole bunch of white people, are selling that notion and force feeding that notion and people are consuming that notion much like the notion that it is israel that is the aggressors and the genocidal maniacs of the middle east which is obscene but you have to ask yourself why why is this the narrative of the narrative of the day what is gained by the post-monetary oligarchical rich people to convince Americans, regular Americans, not only to hate each other, but of the inherent evil of the inherent evil of a huge segment of the population. Because it's not what it at least it, it presents itself as we're trying to fix America. And, and, and to the contrary, there's an effort to destroy America. Through division to grab power and to hold power and for economic well a benefit. The Republicans do the same thing. They just use the vehicle of of foe, false faux moralizing and faux Christian you know Christian extremism, crystal fascism to convince Americans to hate other Americans. When we get back, I'll wrap this thought up and then try to get to some of the topics of the day that I'm ignoring. We'll be back in a second. Big angry law. Charles Adams on KPRC 950. Pain supernova in the sky i don't know this is charles adams big anger radio and i am not at all talking about any of the things that i intended to talk about tonight and for that i apologize i you know it began with an irritating day had a good work week an irritating work week but a good work week uh, some success as a lawyer but this show ran off course when I started talking about this lengthy phone call with my health insurance provider around the globe. It took me until finally back to helpful American employees that they make all but impossible to speak to. You ever want to talk to an American employee of a custom, co- company, customer service, act like you want to buy something new. They'll fast track you to an American because that's sales. Existing customers they don't care about. They feel like they have your money and will keep it by inertia. Much like the Republicans and Democrats feel like they have your vote and will keep it by inertia, but do everything they can to make you hate other Americans instead of hating politicians to compel you to feel like you have an obligation to send them your money to fund their path to Wealth and riches and power and control. And I was talking about the growing wayward American voter, especially the white American heterosexual voter, who sees themselves in a storm without a port, and many have pulled into the port of Trump. The Republican Party, has long been antagonistic towards that populist sidegeist, to the point where a former Speaker of the House had his political career ended. I don't was Liz Cheney the minority whip, or I don't remember her function. She also had her political aristocracy career ended, but she's got millions and millions of dollars, so does she really care? Probably. And Republicans were faced with this choice. Well, do I pretend to embrace the populism? Do I ignore the uh, just unbelievable chi- you know, childlike vitriol being spewed into a microphone by this charismatic, abysmal person to save my political career? Or do I fall on the sword? To claim that it is integrity and then go make myself millions of dollars as a lobbyist or a consultant or pundit or a combination thereof. And of course, most, including our junior senator here in Texas, Teddy Boy Cruz, Freddy Boy Monster Cruz, dove into the lap. And the question is why? Well, political survival the need to stay in the game of politics for whatever reason, whether it's power, access to knowledge to build wealth, or just pure ego. But you have to wonder why both sides, both the Republicans and Democrats, Republicans in a much more secretive manner, are all on board with seeking to silence the angry disaffected voters who feel like their concerns are not being addressed or the you know the politicians seeking to exploit those angry disaffected voters but not allow them to grow into a movement that will lead to some real change for the hard-working middle class get up pay your taxes take care of your business obey the law Families of all races, right? I think in this restorative justice victim abandonment police reform, it is working class people of color who have suffered by far and away the most by being abandoned by law enforcement. But the question again why? Why is this happening? Why are we being force fed that the open border is not a crisis or that it is a crisis, but it is necessarily Donald Trump's fault? which is a bit absurd. Why are we being told that so many things, so many problems trace their roots back to the former president while the media absolves the current president of just about all of the corruption? And I mean, it's, it's, so many people have forgotten the phalanx, and I talk about it often because it just disgusts me that there was no consequence, that that the intelligence community... Now, John Brennan himself led his war on Donald Trump in, in a manner that absolutely makes Watergate seem like nothing. You remember the, the phalanx of the intelligence community coming out publicly, which is unusual for them, and saying, oh, goodness, this laptop is all a lie. And there has to be a why. There has to be a reason. And I would say over the last few decades, the Republican Party in the late 70s, early 80s embrace of Christo-fascism and fake morality was just about, you know, hey, hey, look over here while we do, pay attention only to this while we're over here destroying many aspects of America. And it worked for a long time. And I think the Democrats saw the same opportunity. Hey, hey, pay attention to the idiotic homophobia of the Republicans. Pay attention to the the anything except the concerns of people that get up and go to their jobs and support their families. And both parties have done this. But now there's been a recognition by both parties that the populist movement is, well, it's a reflection of actual democracy. It threatens their stranglehold, this unit party stranglehold on power. And that is ultimately why nothing gets done and why, despite all his belligerence and idiocy, that Trump still has so much support because people just want someone to act like they care about their problems. While the mainstream media is a legacy media, and politicians are being told, uh, force-feeding the notion that their problems aren't their problems and if they even have problems, they deserve them because of, you know, for white people because of their complexion, for other people because of the need to sacrifice and it's just all, I mean, it's not just repugnant, and insane, but it's well, the, big, the big ask is why? Well, because the government wants us complacent, wants us to be happy to be controlled, wants us to abandon our notions of individual liberty while they're actually telling us they're give, giving us more liberty. And a banning was that we just had a recently discovered in Houston that the police have, because of being understaffed, have ignored 250,000 uh, investigatable, solvable crimes. Just ignored them. Um, it started off with finding out that they were ignoring a lot of sexual assaults. And they claim to be understaffed. But the truth is, and that's absolutely not true, and the truth is that what our government wants now is for Americans not to expect justice and not to seek justice from the government, but know that if they seek to engage in street justice or protection, that they will then face the jackboot of the law. This is all about, the new age of control, aristocracy, and serfs. And if you can convince white America, at least a significant portion of white America, that they are born wrong, they are born with a debt or an obligation, they, we should accept having more of our money taken from us and expect far less in return from this collectivist endeavor than we are far easier to control. And honestly, the time is now is to seek truth. I, I'm not a big fan of this Kennedy running for the White House, but doesn't it seem like he's at least speaking his truth? Big, angry law with Charles Adams continues. Sure, you've heard it all before, but you never really had it I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do. So anyhow, the Charles Adams Big or Radio, Wonderwall. We played Oasis tonight. I'm kind of bored of talking about music because I've worked myself up into this frenzy of frustration that I did not intend to at the beginning of the show, right? We are sitting here in an America where we are bombarded every day with lectures about why our problems are of no consequence. We don't deserve to focus on our problems and that self-reliance and merit are all awful. There are even academic works suggesting that uh, being punctual, being goal-driven, being a hard worker are all antithetical to America and supportive of systemic racism and I just I consume this stuff constantly, and just, I don't know, for some reason or not, it is just overwhelmingly with frustration. But we don't at all in this America today need to listen to the legacy media. We don't. I, so uh, let's unpack this, this January 6th. January 6th was horrible. Obviously, there was a crowd that was incited, possibly, and probably some of them were incited by people that were planted there to incite people. And it led to some some awful behavior. But we have seen in the wake of that, a great number of people have had their lives ruined who didn't engage in awful behavior, whose crime was mere presence, whose crime was protest. Um, Obviously, I feel very strongly that everyone who attacked law enforcement deserves a significant consequence. But it's... We before January sixth, we were in America where we saw a couple of years of horrifying rioting, violence, and criminality with very little to the to is is going as far as murder to see very little consequence. At the same time, the restorative justice movement led to law enforcement almost universally stopping to police victim crimes like theft or vandalism or burglary, and that the only time you actually saw police activity was when there was a media attention to it for some reason. And it was largely for some awful reason. And again, how, what, how, what in does this serve? What is the goal? What are the puppet masters doing? And I know this sounds like crazy Alex Jones nonsense, but what I consider crazy Alex Jones nonsense is to accuse people whose children were murdered of being crisis actors, right? That's evil. But people that don't engage in that disgusting evil, that just merely want Americans to look at things from another perspective and to not consume all the nonsense that we're being force-fed, you have to ask yourself, what is the goal? And, of course, the goal is wealth-building for the politicians, the new political class, that it ultimately is doing everything they can to exclude the participation of outsiders which Donald Trump obviously was this figure, this American popular, you know, he was basically just a loud mouth, but a very, very, you know, very good at being a loud mouth, a very profane character in American society that was sneered at by the legacy rich and a source of amusement for the middle class but when he entered into politics, he most certainly was an incredible outsider. He's not a conservative. He's not a Republican. He, I mean, now he owns the Republican Party. But he achieved all this just by saying, hey, I, I see your concerns. And, and like a great salesman, speak to those concerns, even if that speaking was falsely. And that, of course, is why he threatens the establishment. And then he made a Tremendous amount of ways by talking about draining a swamp that he just wanted to swim in. But again, at least to many Americans who support him, at least he is giving lip service. And the question is, why aren't the Democrats or the Republicans generally giving that lip service? Because control is achieved by making us hate each other and not them. If you as a conservative hate gay people, well, you're hating gay people, not a politicians who aren't accomplishing anything. As you as a gay person or as a leftist hate conservatives, and you look at any criticism as transphobia or homophobia, Well, it achieves the politicians' goals. And if you, as a a Christian conservative, are intolerant to all gays or see all gays or members of the LGBTQ community as a threat to your children, which some of them very much are. There's a clip, I don't have time to play it, of this woman talking about how basically parents don't have a right to control their children. It's just insane. And this is why you have this pendulum swinging so far each way of intolerance. Because there are sane, sensible solutions. You should have books in libraries that make gay kids feel like it's okay to be gay. Because, frankly, it is. But, of course, you shouldn't have books in in elementary, junior, high, even high school libraries explaining, you know, detailing uh, pedophilic rape or explaining how to put butt plugs into you. Right? You shouldn't. But if you criticize that book, you're a transferable homophobe to some or a champion to the other. But it, what it avoids is any rational conversation. If you take the position that we must lock up all drug users, Biden's old position, drug users in the federal penitentiary, and you're this extremist, you demonize all Americans that don't act exactly how you want them to, which was Biden's stick that with a side order of racism and segregation for most of his career then you get a lot of Americans mad at certain segments of Americans based only on demographics, right? You have this demonization for decades of black people as criminals, right, which is completely false, although there are a outsized number of black violent criminals in America. You have violent criminals of all races, and it's not the race. It's a, There's issues that need to be addressed. But if you think that everyone talks about real crime statistics as a racist or – that all members of a different race are prone to crime, are prone to violence. Well, either way, you're supporting a party and hating people other than uh, thus not expecting accountability from politicians. And this whole social justice, restorative justice, I mean, there are problems, systemic problems in our criminal justice system, but one of those problems has never been locking up criminals that steal from other people. Locking up people that rape other people, locking up people that rob other people, locking up people that murder other people. But now, if you look at the urban centers in this country, we're not doing it. We're just leaving people to suffer. And the government is creating this expectation that they're not going to do their damn job. And the big question is why? And you remember Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez crying at the border. Is she now? Another clip that I should be playing, but I'm not is talking about how there's there's no problem at the border. When just the, the fact that we have people flying around this country with no identification who can refuse to have a picture taken, the fact that P, a man came into this country illegally, went to New York on the taxpayer's dime, was charged with injuring a child, and then went to Virginia and murdered a young nurse in the most, so there's more details today, in the most horrific way, like, like shattered her skull. But if you talk about it, one side calls you a xenophobic racist. And the other side wants to demonize all immigrants along with that monster, including lawful immigrants. Why? Keep you mad. And no one wants to talk about the truth. I'm going to dive a little bit more into Kennedy, but I think he's going to be the guy I'm backing because at least he's speaking his truth. And I think he's got some crazy ideas. But Damon, aren't we all tired of being lied to? That's why Trump happened. If you are ready for a new mission, join US Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov/careers.